0: Episode 10 is Jamie Acas. Um Jamie is a Murray and Banff district referee, um, I thought it would be a, a really unique perspective to get a referee on the podcast, gives us a bit of a, a different um, outlook on things, contrary to what you actually believe, not all referees in Scotland are Rangers fans, um, some of them are actually Celtic fans as well, so Jamie speaks a bit about Celtic and Charlton, his um, two kind of boyhood teams. Um, we also speak about kind of uh, the, the, the current state of refereeing in Scotland and kind of a bit further more in Europe and things like that. Jamie's also had a long association with Elgin Boys Club, um, a, a league I'm associated with myself, and we kind of had a, a great time speaking about that. I um, hope you all enjoy the episode. We're on episode ten. I didn't think we'd make it to episode ten, <laughs> but we've made it. Um, we're in double digits. Good to keep the Episodes rolling in Episode then we have Jamie A. Cass Jamie is a referee for Murray and Banff District
1: Yeah, that'd be that'd be
0: right, you've got that right um, Jamie has got a good association with Elgin Boys Club Big Charlton fan, um, big Celtic fan And I actually got to see Jamie referee in action last night And I was quite impressed Oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, Welcome
1: Jamie, how are you, you doing? Yeah, not so bad yourself
0: Yes, I'm great mate I've a couple of months ago we started speaking and then I thought fucking hell that's a great great angle to have on a referee because Mm -hmm. you don't hear that side very often I've started to hear more referees the last couple of months coming out in podcasts after they've retired. Um, I I really enjoy, there's quite a few under the coshes and Mm -hmm. things like that, they've got referees on them, love them.
1: Mark Clattenburg seems to be very active at the moment and it's been good to listen to and hear his side of things and maybe even Howard Webb's been doing a a wee bit recently I think.
0: Mark Clattenburg, he's been speaking a lot about the foreign referee situation as well, which is good to hear, you know how things are done in different countries Mm and that. I'm going to start off with my usual question, Jamie, because it's my usual question and it's my favourite question, I think, on the podcast. Um, and then we'll get back in a wee bit of reffing How good a football player were you as a kid, Jamie? Um,
1: I probably think this probably will tie in quite easily to later on, but not very great. Not very great. But when I was sort of between the ages of probably five and 11 until I moved to, to Lossie, I play competitive football, which is just, it's very different from up here. Um, me and my brother played for clubs at a very young age. We played the whole way through. So it's almost like um, a team like Los United would have a full youth set up as well. And like, they would have age groups going from <laughs> 18s down to, yeah, under fives, under sixes maybe. Um, but yeah, I started out with a team called um, Rustlers at five years old. And I think the seeds were sown pretty early on. Um, Didn't get a lot of game time there, Um, and it was brutal. Probably at five, six years old, it's still very brutal. And I think it's what the FA in England (laughs) are certainly trying to change, so everybody's more included. But it was seven aside, and we'd have a team of seven starters that would start every week, and then there would be 14 people that would be rotated in sevens every week. So you were either team one or team two, and I was in one week. And, yeah, so you'd play every other week, and you'd maybe get 10 minutes out of the four you were playing for. Um, I moved on from there, and I got an all right spell at a team called Belvedere, um, and played in green and white as well, which was nice, so yeah, um, I'll shock a lot of people from probably up here that listen to this, that I actually played at left mid there, and I got a good spell at left mid, and I was doing all right, I was never, as I say, never the greatest of footballers, but I think... You're left-footed? Yeah, I am left-footed, yeah, yeah left-footed, so... <laughs> the,
0: so best, the, the best,
1: The best football players in the world are left-footed, but it's not me, Um <laughs> yeah. I think confidence is huge in your ability to play football and realizing that you maybe you can beat players, you're stronger than players. And, and that took a really long time. Uh, I moved to Scotland, but it sort of in the sort of last couple of years between Lossie, at, uh, London and Lossie, I probably put on a bit of weight at 10, 11 years old and never really shifted it until I started my refereeing last year again. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just, there was a school team. I didn't really play that often, couldn't be bothered with training and just, yeah, I was never great from that point on. Whatever modicum of footballing skills I had went out the window. Um, But I like a little game of football every now and then. I love football just as a sport. I love football and I think... You still do five-a-sides and things? We play the odd five-a-side. I was playing with work recently and, again, the confidence thing, you know, Mm -hmm. because slightly maybe older people or experienced people with football, it's open to everyone. It's quite nice to be, you know, the one that can score the goals or whatever, you have a bit of a laugh. It just yeah, it's nicer when you can can perform a little bit better. But um mm. yeah, five is good. It's always good to to get run about and was playing quite regular up until probably starting the referee in. We've done five, sixes, sevens probably in different variations at the centers, the Astros and what around Warsey yeah. and Elgin. So yeah, if if I have the time i do like a little game of fives, but currently no <laughs> no, time. no no time <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: no that's um I, I like what you say about confidence there appear like i know robbie listens to this podcast i um, i i work under the robbie's uh, hope school of coaching just now I, I call it that because i'm learning pretty much everything i know from him just now mm-hmm. um and it's all about confidence of the kids and learning how to beat a man and that ball mastery and you can can if concentrate on that you know mm-hmm. You produce a good player. A good produ- player always will improve a team. Doesn't matter what their skills mm-hmm. are. If they're a good individual's flair, skill, technical player, it improves the team. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember
1: from last night the left back, Harry.
0: Yes, I do. He yeah.
1: played the first season I played at, um, well, coached at Boys League. Okay. Harry was our centre back. And there came a point that there was such a fantastic transition from him over the season that you see, especially at the intermediate level, that you can sort of get and mould them a little bit and sort of it happened with all of my defence that year. They were a little bit shy to get in an attack, you know, like kids can be and yeah. getting in and about the football. And I just say, come on, guys, when so we're stronger than that, you're stronger than him. So just stand your ground and just say to what? And then watching Harry last night, knowing that I was the first person to maybe see that big change in in that team and now seeing them at an, an older level. And playing, I thought he had a really good game last night. He made some cracking tackles and stuff like that. I mean, yep. he was up against a good opponent. He was a lot quicker than him, but he dealt with it really well. He did. So, yeah. again, that links back into that that confidence point. It's also fantastic to see these players come through that you've maybe had a hand in coaching and you feel the boys' league's not... I know we're going to get on boys' league in a bit, yep. but... Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's nice to have that input into football outside of just playing, I suppose.
0: For that three months, even though you've only got them for three months, that three months for that year is quite vital with them because it's probably the most competitive form of football there is around here for that age mm-hmm. group. Um, I, you you've, you coach youth football, I've seen you coaching youth, uh, not coaching, sorry, ref in youth football, Jamie. Y- y- at times that boys league is more competitive than y- y- your city youth mm-hmm. games, your loss of youth games, you know, it's and especially it's, it's a lot better attended than these games as well. You know, you've got Probably crowds of sometimes up to 200 people watching these games and it, it's a proper atmosphere at some of the mm-hmm. games um no'm I'm all, I'm all for that right well let's get back on the refing though um how did the refing come about
1: And like I said I wasn't sure if this was the next question mm-hmm. so it links into it links into number one because mm-hmm. I love football as I was saying um yeah it's just grown up with football so footballs my sport it's you know it's that sort of cliche term, but it's almost like a religion to people and a lot of men and and women and you know, it is fantastic. I just love it. I love that buzz that football gives you. So I just wanted to be involved however. And I would have been really young when I first had to go at the referee and so as soon as I was old enough at sixteen went for that and at the same time was coaching a school school team, like a sort of second year team while I was in sixth year. Should never ever have been allowed, (laughs) to be honest. But uh no, we tried that out, me and, uh, and then helped out Craig Smith, um, yes. if you know Craig, yeah, helped him out with his side. Um, so yeah, the first sort of foreman's of it. And from that, I sort of just thought, no, I like the refereeing a bit more, we can give it a chance, but I was young, probably a bit big headed that you think, oh, I'm young, I'm going to make this because I'm young and all that sort of things and just didn't help myself at all, didn't go to training. Done everything that was probably just winding up the committee and everything like that yeah i don't say winding them up but not not a person that you know they would see that they could mold into the referee they wanted to be but i think for a few years i sort of kept it up on a on the side i suppose i went to uni and i was doing five a side referee in a five a side center um you know something just a bit of pocket money i suppose yeah, while you're at uni boring. And and that was that was really quite serious. I got I got a punch in the back of the head one game, and I've been friendly <laughs> chipped there, and it was all you know like if we were saying about Elgin Boys League, but that is some of the seri- most serious football I've ever been involved with. Even Highland League's not getting that serious, yeah. you know. Like, but yeah, there's players scrapping with each other, and I've tried separating them. And his brother, that I've just sent off throwing the first punch. It's coming back oh, on, and punched me in the head. It was carnage, and you know, it's um, you think about that. Why why did Buddy do it? You know, but. I think this second time round, it's it's got me fit. It's got me really fit. I've lost quite a bit of weight. I feel really good for going to training and and just running about and being a bit fitter. It's it's a really good the 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 whole family that that Murray and Banff has turned out to be. Um, we're a big group chat. We're all we're all quite close. I would say you know mm-hmm. we're out with each other every weekend. But you know it's a good family atmosphere in there now. Um. And they've really looked out for me. I've had a tough couple of years and, and the referees really especially were fantastic mm-hmm. in helping me out and get me back on the straight, straight and narrow, I suppose, and, and sort my head out um, through, through everything that was available through the SFA and through just, just yeah, being there for years. And, that's what you need, mate. And I, I, that's what I would preach on to people. It's, it's not, it's, it, it, it becomes more than just a game of football. Um, when you can go to these social events. We had a big Christmas night out and all of that. So you get a really good sort of camaraderie out of it. You get fit. You get to be involved in football. Yeah. Um, I think referees really see the game quite differently to how players view it. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Players are focused on winning the game. Whereas referees just view it in the eyes of what's going to kick off here. Let's say what's going to kick off, but what's going to unfold in this game and how am I going to manage it? And we're constantly thinking about the laws and when we need to enforce them. Players that need advice on what the law might be, you know, players, let's be honest, players probably don't know much of the laws and I'm not being, I still going not hold me to that, but yeah, that's what we are there for. I suppose to, to to advise and and enforce the law when we need to. Yeah, no, that's it's. But yeah, it's just good. It, it's good for my
0: mental stimulation most of the time. Would you consider the strangest law in? Not even in football. Just something that fucking surprises you that you don't think there should maybe be a law that is a strange law, Jamie. Um, or something that doesn't make sense to you. In right, here's he the
1: one being a bonnet that I've got right now. Um, I think it's, I think certain laws can be very vague, and it okay. leaves a lot up to interpretation. But um, it's maybe not the strangest law, but, you know, with player safety, I would think that this law would be a little bit tighter than it is. I cannot get on board with these little shin pads at the moment. Like, oh. even at that size, it's just... I don't know why you'd want to take that risk. And it's from what I understand, it's just players yeah. players do really push the boundaries of what they can achieve mm-hmm. to the point that it's just like I got asked once when I turned up to a game of, of a, a welfare game, I ref. So what's the rule here? Uh can I have I gotta put the same color tape on my socks as as, as the colour of the socks and that? And you do, you mm-hmm. do. Yeah. But you know, like you're thinking, why am I being asked that question? If you know the answer is yes, just put the just put the red tape on your red sock. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> these little shin pads that are coming around now, and all the law says is they've got to provide a, a reasonable degree of protection, and that is that in my eyes it's is nothing. is wildly open-ended, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, I would really like to see that tightened up, yeah. um, because it's player safety at the end of the day. Here, if somebody comes flying in with with 4-4 four, four studs, your legs, your leg's breaking anyway, but it's these other ones, you know, where studs are maybe scraping down, and and all those sort of tackles that wouldn't necessarily break the shin pads, but they're protecting, like, your nerves and everything like that yeah. in the leg. And, yeah, it's a privilege to be able to play football and things like that, but, you know, you've got to be able to... Get yourself safe. Yeah, you don't want to be 40 years old and, and have problems walking. No. And if it just means you've got to wear slightly bigger shin pads, let's, let's just do it.
0: I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, the shin pads used to go around my ankle before they'd done anything. But, yeah, it's, it's the whole <laughs> thing is
1: that's where i wanted wanting probably the most protection is ankle protection as yeah. well. And uh, I remember... You know Toby, don't you? Yeah. I remember us just playing down at the park. He'll like that. He'll like that little name check. <laughs> playing down at the park one day after school, and he's just... I mean, he's coming with a little slide tackle. Well, there's not much in there. I'm not going to say, say he's trying to kill me or anything. But, you know, because we're just down there, and we're wearing our boots, but no shin guards, and he's just gone through my ankle and missed time the ball. But I couldn't walk for about three, four days after that. My ankle's just swollen up. Ever since then, any time I'm putting boots on, I'm putting shin guards on. Yep. And yep. that's... Apart from when I'm refereeing, but maybe maybe sometimes we might need it.
0: (laughs) 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 My boys weren't that wild last night, mate. Uh, What's the key to being a good ref, Jamie? Can can, can I I tell you what I was impressed about last night and I really, really enjoyed, and I've never seen it before from a referee, or maybe I've not just not listened that closely because I'm not concentrating on the game, as you were complimenting guys on good tackles and things like that last night i think i
1: would well, say i would say good tackle it's mm-hmm. to that isn't necessarily saying that is a good tackle yeah. it's to suggest that i don't want to entertain any shouts of it being a foul yep. so yeah it, i should maybe use the term clean tackle rather than the yeah. good tackle mm-hmm. but that is all i mean by that but yeah, yeah i mean it is mm-hmm. at the end of the day there was a few challenges last night it, it, they are but i will make it clear that i it could be misinterpreted if if i was telling players, you know, one side might get a bit annoyed if they're not putting yeah. in the correct challenges. So yeah, I understand that and I, I do. I want to be on the pitch. And so the key to being a good referee is a good you've you've got to try and have a good rapport with the players that are on the pitch. Okay. Don't go out making issues yourself before it's even started, you know. Mm. You know, I like to meet up and have a little chat with both managers and and just, Check check equipment and things like that before we start, and have a little chat with the keeper. What color are you want today? And just sitting on a you know a little chat yeah. with players before we start. Um, here's a skill I'm probably still mastering a little bit. A good referee needs to keep calm and composed. I think that's probably the number one skill as a referee, and I'm getting there to a degree. I can still have my my little moments. I'm not flawless at all. I really struggled with understanding that. A player can be up here, but you've still got to be down here when you're dealing with them. It's gonna make no use you coming straight up here and yeah. And I've learned that through the hard way, you know, and mm-hmm. having incidents with managers, players and whatnot, because it's just a shouting match and they're really pissed off because at the end of the day all that's happened is they get the yellow and the red cards. Yeah. And I just look arrogant. So I think, yeah, being down to Earth, calm and composed, a good knowledge of the laws. I think them three things are, are the key there. But fourth, you, you you have mentioned it with a sort of like good tackle, good tackle. You've got to be vocal because you could avoid so much by it being vocal. You know, you maybe see this is a good one that a lot of referees will do, if not more. And if they'd maybe, so two players coming together, and you know, that sort of one that everybody just goes, yeah. A referee's just got to be looking at that He's got careful, careful, careful. It doesn't always work, but a player is instantly thinking, right, take a bit off this straight away before we're not going to go diving in. and it, It's maybe subconscious to, to a point that they do. They are careful with it. Yeah, You I still get so. wild challenges everywhere, but uh, that's one. And, yeah, if you're vocal, they know what's going on throughout. They're not second-guessing yet, yeah. and they know that you're, you're active as well. Yeah, So you, they know that nothing's going to get past you, hopefully, you know. Everybody's going to make the wrong decision every now and then, mm. everybody does, but we're only human. My my argument for this all the time is, here look, you've missed four or five shots tonight, I've not said <laughs> a single thing about any one of those, so don't you be moaning about this offside that's really borderline that I've just given <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know who he's fucking speaking about my guys from my team last night do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know what I
1: don't think that. I think it was one offside in that whole game last night I think
0: so it was very um, for the
1: amount of long balls in that
0: there was it's very surprising <sighs> I think there was less of it in the second half we screamed a bit at them at half time for that long ball because we've been playing so good in training the last couple of weeks and then as you say it just went to shit in, um, uh, 45 seconds I think it was the first goal yeah it was, last very, night. it was very quick so, <laughs> onwards and upwards, as they say. Um, what's your first memories of football, Jamie? Um,
1: so, I probably already touched on one um, about sort of playing really quite early on. Remember getting a set of yellow Puma bu- uh, boots back from uh, my mum and dad went on holiday, and that's what they bought me back new <laughs> yellow boots. Um, I think it probably matched the Chotten Away kit at the time. Okay. So, my earliest memory of football. Um, will be my brother, going away to watch my brother every Sunday. Um, he had a, a semi-successful side. I don't know if they ever, ever actually won anything, but they got to a, a quite a, a good cup final. Okay. Um, um, against a team called Dollage Hamlet. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dollage I Hamlet. Have, yeah. Play a lot of people, my Jimmy. But uh, <laughs> it was a pretty unsavory day, I think, in the end. So I, I don't know the full details of it, but I think there was a lot of, of pretty nasty play from, from them and they... Used a lot of gamesmanship, shall we say, to to get the okay. result. Um, so my brother, I think, was pretty gutted about that. It's on a, it's on a video somewhere, a VHS. That's how long ago that was. Of, uh, but I remember going on a bus, like a, a double-decker bus. Um, obviously, with all the families and that, we went down to this place. God knows where it was. Somewhere in London. God knows. But uh, I didn't win. Um, I've got a really, really strange memory. And I've had this memory for, well, obviously since I was three. But I think my dad took me to... My first Charlton game when I was about three. Hmm. Is all I can remember from that game is sitting in the north stand and just being a little shit, throwing off. <laughs> I had a packet of Rolo's and I was just loving them off the person in front of me. Like and just, <laughs> I don't remember any of the game, but um, I remember getting my first. I remember going down to Charlton when it was like, right, actually, you're old enough now. We think you're gonna get a season ticket with me and Stuart, and you're gonna yeah. come with us to watch football. So, age six, I think I was. Charlton mm-hmm. had just been promoted into the playoffs. Um, to get into the Premier League for the first time If nobody's ever seen that it's, it's dubbed as one of the best games Wembley's ever seen It was 4-4 um, wow. You're probably seeing the thing here yeah. So that was part two of, of Chalton versus Sunderland 20 years on or whatever it was but, am, um,
0: I, am I right in thinking this is a Michael Gray uh, Penalty yeah. one? Yeah, yeah.
1: Michael Gray, Clive Mandonka Man from Sunderland Scores a hat-trick And I I think mm. it's been a pretty tough Tough <laughs> uh twenty, twenty five years it, for him since has, like yeah. Um but yeah, I I remember that playoff final and watching it on the telly. I remember the penalty shootout, but I was still I was too young to go. And then they got relegated the next season. And so mm-hmm. my first season uh at, at watching football was watching Chauton win Division One as it was at the time. Yeah. And it was a really good season. Still to this day, one of my favourite players ever. And I think purely I mean he's not in my eleven, but there was a thought there for him but um, a player that just makes me think of how it all started, a guy called Andy
0: Hunt. Um, Okay. You'll have to explain. Yeah, so
1: he's a a Charlton Athletic striker. Um, I'm unsure where they got him from. Mm -hmm. Um, He was very short-lived at Charlton because he developed, um, he unfortunately developed ME. So he had to just give football up and sort of move to, a. I believe, sunny countries are good for people to get the energy levels up and things like that. I've got that condition. Yeah correct me people if I'm wrong Um, but uh, yeah, he scored, I think, 30 or 35 goals that season. He was just Pretty banging them in and he had a song to go with it. It's just like, oh, Andy Hunt, he plays up front. He's got a name like a fanny. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to love it. And, you know, I used to absolutely love it, but I wouldn't have understood what he meant. I wouldn't have known fanny, but I wouldn't have understood the sort of whole reasoning hunt. You can make it up yourself. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he was my first real memory of Chalton of and, and football in, in general. is just pure striker scored a lot of goals. Yeah. Clive and Duncan was still there, but I think he had issues with uh hip maybe. Okay. Clive was another one that retired really early. So good player. Really he good. He was. Player. He was a good good goal scorer. Yeah. Um so they were our two strikers. And then you got the likes of um Scott Parker, a very young seventeen year old Scott Parker just breaking through, I remember at the time. Yeah. And some sort of just caught people like, you know, yeah, Chris Powell's and that. He's got, got a big
0: move to Chelsea Scott Parker through that, didn't uh-huh. he? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Well, I yeah. mean it, there'll be a big Scott uh-huh. Parker debate coming up, like, because <laughs> I really struggle with Scott Parker and I thought, no way, he has to be there. But we I won't spoil anything. <laughs> um But yeah, so there's that. Um and I want to mention this as well. Yeah. Um I well I don't know. I
0: think the next question's coming up, i probably expect so it was, yeah, how does Charlton come about? So, um, yeah, so
1: I think we've we've really touched on the Charlton thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a very family-based thing. Um, I love this story. I love this story. So, supposedly, when my dad first moved down to London, um, my Uncle Francis, who's the reason that me and my brother are Celtic fans and my cousin is a Celtic fan, um, my dad's side of the family are very, very Rangers-based. Rangers, okay. Rangers based. Um so uh, I don't want to use too many terms or anything like that Sitting here in my ref's outfit so, um, But uh, yeah, very Rangers based And by all intents and purposes I should probably be a Rangers fan Yeah, And if it wasn't for Uncle Francis We, we probably would be me and my brother So I'm quite happy for Uncle mm-hmm. Francis, shall we say But anyway, I digress um, Yeah, he took my dad to the Rangers shop in London uh, I think they had at the time for his birthday And he was like, look, I'll take you in here, Ron you can get yourself a rangers tie or whatever you want and my dad apparently turned around and said to him well why would i want that and he was like well no because you're a
0: you're,
1: you know obviously the family's rangers fans you're a rangers fans and this must taken a lot for my uncle francis to be able to go into the rangers shop and yeah you know and he was like oh well, no i don't support rangers you know chortland's my team and i think that's the scene so yep, that's correct yeah. <laughs> um yeah Uh, From a young age, from my dad, and he obviously went and watched Chawton from a young age back in the dire years, 60s, 70s, where not much had really happened. Chawton were good in the 30s and Chawton were good late 40s and 50s, early 50s. And apart from that, we're not, apart from our dabble into the Premier League for six, seven seasons, we've not really done too much else. But yeah, he has seen all that nonsense of the 60s, the 70s, essentially what it's like just now to be a Chawton fan. Yeah just languishing in a poor division with a shit team no much hope no. not much hope no, no, no. i don't have any hope we're we're really really struggling at the moment i i've actually I here speaking about Chorten because i've had so much of a rush i've not actually looked at a chortland score yet today we've had a, a case of losing in the 95th 97th minute 90th minute with loads of late losers yeah. recent um but yeah that's that's where chortland comes about from so my brother, obviously, was taken down to Charlton. Um, would have started going. I don't know when Stuart would have started going. There was the whole thing in the 80s where Charlton were very close to going bust. We had to move okay. out of the valley um, mid-80s. I think 85 to 92. So I think Stuart would have got the later years of maybe Selhurst Park and maybe Upton Park. Charlton played for a season at Upton Park, 91 to 92. Yeah. Or well, 90 to 91. But he moved back to the valley. Um, so, yeah, I remember sure my dad going out and that and not really understanding why the young kids where, where do they go mm-hmm. and why don't they go the whole year and then what's so the of, age
0: difference between you and stuart uh,
1: So Stuart's nine years older than me stuart's, okay. stuart's away to enjoy his 40th birthday yep. next month so <laughs> yeah so Stuart's a bit older than me um and then yeah getting taken down to Chorton, and obviously being in the premier league so that's just i think that's where it just captured you they built the stadium bigger yeah you were seeing just fantastic players.
0: A fantastic manager of my AI. Alan well. Kerbisley
1: was just, he's yeah. one of these rare creations. And the only person that's really done an Alan Curvesley in recent years, I think, is Sean Dyche. The job that Sean Dyche yeah. had done at Burnley, I think, is the only real comparable for Alan Carr. I I
0: maybe goes as far as to say the early days of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth and I mean, things. Even yeah. that,
1: yeah, Eddie Howe was a very different thing. He was about Being able that ability to build the team in maybe League One or the Championship, yes, and being able to keep yourself in a the full. Premier
0: League mm-hmm. uh,
1: yeah. by not even changing too much. You know, there's a lot of the, the players we had in Division One that made it into the Premier League squad. You know, you Sean Newtons, you Graham Stewart, Steve Browns. Yeah, all these would have been championship players at the time. They would have played the season before in the Premier League, but then I, I don't feel there was probably that much of a gap between the Premier League and Division One or the Championship as it is now. Yeah, they're both very competitive leagues, but I never hold that much hope for the teams to get promoted from from the Championship the season mm. after. No,
0: no, I agree with you there. It's it's always, I think, to... If, unless they're coming up And spending 80 million These days They're always going to be Relegation candidates It mm-hmm. doesn't matter who you are But I think You look at teams like Luton and things like that Now and It just shows you Don't have to spend that money You don't have to spend mm-hmm. The multi-millions to, to stay afloat A couple of names I'm going to ask you About Charlton Because I told you I messaged you A few days ago I had a funny story Sean Bartlett was like One of my greatest ever Football uh, Not even football manager, Championship manager players Back in the day <laughs> Absolutely loved Sean Bartlett, and um, I don't know what it was about him. He was just fantastic. He Sean had three or four, maybe even five strikers that, from as far
1: as I can remember, they tended to play them on a sort of rotation basis. That, but Sean would always play. And there's mm. one memory I've got. He won goal of the season for this, but we played less. I think we probably won the game two one. I'm not totally certain on that. But you see it now, you can go and look this up. It's a, it's a cracking goal. Like yeah, it it, The ball gets punted up to him and it sort of just drops over his shoulder. He's at the corner of the, I can't say 18-yard box. I'm going to have to say penalty area here okay. to be correct. Um, yeah, so the edge of the penalty area, left-hand side, it drops over his shoulder and he just pings the thing. And it's a, it's a cracking goal. Yeah. So, you know, that's the memory I've got of Sean Bartlett. Right there, um, in that whole sort of early 2000s period, we had uh, Jason Yor was another one, mm-hmm. and um, Matt Svensson. They were our three strikers, and obviously I'm missing missing the other big name here, ex-Rangers player, uh, Jonathan Johansson.
0: And- yeah, Johansson. Well, the reason I kind of went to Charlton was... Uh De Canio went there I was a big De Canio fan My earliest Football memory Is De Canio In a bumblebee top For Celtic That's That's mm-hmm. my earliest Football memory um, So I kind of Followed them around there But I've written down Some of the names That I enjoyed Dennis Romadal
1: <laughs> I used to like Dennis Romadal But he'd this is the, the sort of transition period for me. So I remember Dennis Romadar as a sort of period. He's a lossy player for me, if that makes sense. I remember being there, and then there's whole, the lossy team while I'm in Scotland. And okay. So Dennis Romadar, I remember seeing him. Me and my dad went to Bolton on the way up to moving to Lossie, Sort of done it in two stages. It was like, right, we'll, we'll go see the Bolton game, and then we'll stop off somewhere in the Lake District for sleep overnight and then go to Lossy the next day. Got absolutely pumped, but he was the first time I'd seen Dennis Romadar, and he just... He, I, I used to really like him as a player. He used to be a good good winger, but he just, he was very hot and cold. Yeah. Very hot and cold yeah, as a player. He could have a very bad game or he could do some...
0: He was either howling or he was either on uh, goal this season for match of the day. You know, he mm-hmm. very hit or miss. That one was Matt Holland. I thought he was a brilliant uh, player.
1: Matt Holland, got him from Ipswich. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, a big thing about um, central midfielders and how... And I think it will link on to Again, I keep saying this, but there's a question that I think you might have. Um, I hope that's not spoiling things, by no, the way. Not, not at, all. It, me not at the, all.
0: It's a mystery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we could edit that out. But, um, yeah, no, I've got a big thing for central midfielders. I feel they're a very, very undervalued position. Mm-hmm. And you very rarely, you know, you're not get the last person that we've been really excited by in central midfield, pure central midfield, is, is Luka Modric. But, Matt Holland, yeah, he's very pure yeah. central midfielder, done his job very well. Being in central midfield, to me, you're the engine of the team and you've got to receive these balls and choose where to distribute them. Scott Brown was very good at, at these. Uh, Callum McGregor is very good at this. Yeah. Yeah, there'd be lots of other people, but these are players I see every week mm-hmm. or did see every week doing it. It's just these wee, you know, it might only be a three yard pass there, three yard pass there, taking it back in, spreading it there. But it's such a crucial role because it's, without that, you know, you're not creating anything up the top.
0: No, no. It's, um, yeah, your best mid. well, you look at, like, obviously, it's playing a bit of a different role this season. We've talked about him before on here, Jude Bellingham, what he's doing this season. Mm-hmm. There's Nobody else can do it like no, that. You absolutely know, not. He's, he's phenomenal, the guy. Um, but, yeah, central midfielder, to me, is... A, a prob- apart from a goal scorer And a decent goalie It's the most important position In the field mm-hmm. Someone in that middle Of that part is going to distribute the ball About 100% agree Love Scott Brown Love Carl McGregor I think Carl McGregor Done what Scott Brown does But he does it better um, Initially seen that live Over the last couple of months At Excel games And that He's unbelievable mm-hmm. He's just non-stop they
1: just, they're, they're, They'd be my first name On a team sheet Yeah I so agree I yeah, with Matt Horns, yes, he's the central midfielder. Other than Scott Parker, I can remember. And the the, the mm. season that we were doing really well, that duo was that duo was fantastic. Like they yeah. were creating so much between the two of them. Um, but yeah, I remember signing him from Et And the only goal I can ever remember him scoring was a really crap goal against Birmingham City. I think where the keeper tries to clear it out, it's, it's all scrambled from a the corner. The keeper tries to hoof it clear, it comes off his chest and goes into the net. Also, I just hit mm-hmm. the boom there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's that mm-hmm. central midfielders all over for you. I yeah, can't remember a good. Goals. Yeah, I can't remember a good goalie
0: scored. <laughs> it kind of leads us to the next. In, uh, our next question. Well, though, it's your first set of memories.
1: Um, so yeah, I think this is what I was going to talk about earlier <coughs> on. Um, I've spoken a lot about Chorten, and it's been really good actually because I don't often speak a lot about Chorten, and it's, it's it is conjuring up some really good memories for me. But. Uh, a lot of people will always say, "Are oh, you a two team bastard or whatever?" <laughs> it's a little bit worse than that. Um, yeah, oh, you, you had two teams. Or oh, Celtic have lost this week, so you supporting Chorten again. Vice versa, it is what it is. I've I've always supported both teams. People will try and claim, nah, I moved to moved to Scotland and chose Celtic as my team." Earlier Celtic memories. Um. I can remember being at my auntie's house and uh, my cousin, Gary, is a Celtic fan as well. He was married into the family, so just by chance, he's been married in and he's a Celtic fan. So another one to add to the collection for, you know, start evening it out on that side (laughs) of the family, I suppose. And um, yeah, being over there and we're watching a Hibs game. We lost 2-1. But I remember us scoring, and he almost put me like it was an Artex ceiling. It was quite spiky, but he almost put me through the ceiling. because I was on his shoulders, and we scored. And he was just like, "Yes!" <laughs> and that is one hundred percent my earliest psychic memory. Um, but I've got I've got good memories of of the uh, UEFA Cup final. I'm watching it with my dad, just in my yeah. living room down in London, and being just so so gutted, Mate, so gutted, and so cheated out of it.
0: It's you've just mirrored me because that is my memory of that I remember crying at the end of it um, and my dad came up and gave me a cuddle and things like that and it was like I always remember him saying you'll see Settler in another final I won't see that and it's like now 15, 20 years on I'm like nah I'm not sure I will see Settler in another final <sighs> it's
1: very frustrating <laughs> in Europe because it can be done it's been yeah. shown it can be done mm-hmm. unfortunately it can be done whether you can win it or not it's a different story thank God Thank God they didn't win it. No, no I'm <laughs> <laughs> Aye, aye, the big marquee signing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, but um, yeah. And then obviously moving to Scotland, I was very, yeah, into Celtic. Like, I remember when...
0: Did you buy into Larson mania?
1: Yeah, I remember like, Larson's last game and everything like that. I remember him just, yeah, Larson's Larson, isn't he? Mm. There's still... I wouldn't remember it at the time, but you, you think of Henrik Larson, you think of... You think of the famous chip, you know, that is sensational. Yep. Dreadlocks. <laughs> Dreadlocks. Just and yeah, and then I, I think when I think of Henrik Larson, I think of fast well, I say fast and last, but you know that's him in his prime, and then I think about him greeting when he's leaving South Egg and it's it's heartbreaking. It's, it is heartbreaking. <laughs> it's very emotional every time you think about it. But it's just such a raw talent. Yeah. Okay. Very good goal scorer. I got
0: um, asked a very good question a couple of weeks ago and see if you could give me an answer being a an settling like fan, Jimmy. Can you think of a bad time of Henrik Larson in Green and White? Apart from when he broke his leg.
1: No, I think that's the only it, isn't it, really? Mm -hmm. I think that's only it.
0: That's how good a memory he's got. There's there's not a bad time. Mm -hmm. It's only good times. Even the the worst time, the 2003 final, he had the final of his life. He scored two fantastic goals. Mm -hmm. He was all over them we got let down by Bobo Baldi in that final and that's what cost us the game Martin O'Neill I've literally just done his audio book and he said the same thing we got let down by Bobo Baldi we also got let down by Bobo Baldi in that league season as well last Mm -hmm. couple of games he got sent off again Um, is do you think that's the last do you think that's how do I word this question is that the greatest the settled team will get
1: I yes, I think it is. I think the time's gone now, and unless it's it's not, it's not just related to to Saturday, It relates to Rangers. It relates to the rest of Scottish football. I think it's pretty damning when Derek Adams is coming in and is is ray his, his, ra- uh, his ranting review of, of Scottish mad. football was. But you know the thing is, he's probably right. Yeah, yeah. he's probably right, and that's that's worrying. But because. It's hard. Nobody's going to want to come here. One, we've not got the money. Mm -hmm. You know, it all—it's all all going to revolve around money at the end of the day. Without the SPFL being worth, it's it's worth like what two million, two and a half million pounds a season to the winner. It's it's, it's players in England
0: getting paid more than that a month. I I
1: know. It's 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 (laughs) nothing for clubs like Stoke and Rangers. They have to. It's a it's a horrible model. They have to try and be getting into Europe to try and balance their books essentially because. They have, you've got high wage bills that's not covered by winning the league
0: mm-hmm.
1: and winning cups and things like that. So I don't know what I've always thought is what Scottish football probably needs is you need a few more stronger teams. You need – it wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think, for um, teams to be bought over like Aberdeen, Hibbs, Hearts. Yep. You know, that there's – sorry if you're a fan of any other SPFL team, but they're, they're – the that gives you six teams mm. five teams there. Sorry.
0: Um, the, how, how do you feel about two? There's talk of two 18 team leagues being made in the SPFL.
1: It's, so we would. I'm not up to date on this. So we we're thinking you we have, have.
0: You have the the top end, which is an 18. Mm-hmm, so instead team, of having
1: three leagues, yeah, you know, three leagues of four, 36. Four, sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've got you. Yeah. Um, is that going to help? I reckon it might help the development of the, the smaller clubs getting the bigger fixtures, because instead of playing teams in their own league, like so Elgin would probably be playing the higher-end League 1 or lower-end championship teams for the crowds. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing, it, in my opinion, it benefits.
1: It's not benefiting the top teams whatsoever. Nope. We're always struggling. You know players, I can't remember who says it, and it's just like I love being outside. we the best. I think it's maybe John Badetti. He's like, with the best of respect, playing at grounds like Ross County and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, wherever else. It's, it's not what football players... Are. You're thinking... You're coming up to a big club like Sarticle Rangers... And yeah. they are. They're huge clubs. Yeah. Anybody in England says, Oh, they're irrelevant. It's ridiculous. They're just... Either on a wind-up or they're clueless. Um, and yeah, I know plenty of people that would claim that. Yeah. Oh, the bloody Arsenal Tottenham derby is bigger than Celtic Rangers. It's it's, come and live in Scotland for a year and tell me that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know? it's, it's not... Having just recently f- experienced my first one... And yeah, I so said there wasn't any fans... It's different. It's absolutely it's, different.
1: I remember the, even going to, you go to, I had a season ticket at Celtic for probably three or four years. Um, yeah, about 18 to 22. I was in the section at one point. Yeah. Um, which is, it's it's a it's a workout like, you mm-hmm. know, like, <laughs> it's a workout. But you know, on on Derby Day, it's different. It's you, Everybody's so tense. But then goals, when that goal goes in, and even big nights at Celtic Park, um, I remember the three-three against Inter Milan, and the, the roof almost came off when we had, we got out from from 2 0 down. And then you scoring at the end. It was just moments like that cannot be replicated elsewhere. You know, you've got to well, play these big teams for it to mean something. We mm-hmm. don't, with the greatest respect, we don't want to play.
0: You, you know, we don't want to play
1: Aloua twice a season. Yeah, yeah. Apology to Aloua fans, mm-hmm. but you know, somebody from League One or you know, because that's where we're going to be at we're sort of down to championship level here. Mm-hmm. We're going to get down to six teams in the championship, which could be anybody in the championship. It yeah. always works itself out Still the got end, part-time
0: but... clubs in the championship, like Sarbro and things, mm-hmm. you know, guys that are still going out and earning a wage and then turning up and playing the football at night, which mm-hmm. for the second league in Scotland is quite ridiculous, mm-hmm. do you not know think?
1: Yeah, it is. But then I have to renege on that point a little bit because watching Celtic against Bucky last, last weekend... I thought Bucky had a really good professional display. Yep. It's unfortunate that that's the difference between a good good team and a higher league team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I thought Bucky really did put a good good case out. They just made, it's a few few mistakes that these players are, it's like a very experienced. Yeah. Whereas at Bucky, again, it's the whole part-time thing, but they're good footballers.
0: Oh, and I've
1: always said, I don't ever believe there's a lot between sort of part-time or non-league footballers and the very best ones. Things happen in life that you you know you can't commit all your time to football and things like yeah. that. So it doesn't work out how you want it to, but it can do. You know the perfect story for that would be Jamie Vardy. You know, Absolutely. your stand still can happen. The other person as well that I think probably more topical for up here, I think Joe Rebo comes from from a non-league club. Non-league, I, I yeah. think Charlton signed him from a non-league club. I'd have to go and double-check that, but. Um, we have a fact-checker over the back here, you know, to check these things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just going to ask there, though. I was going to ask, how much do you think this is down to money? And I don't just mean, like, transfer fees and the kind of obvious stuff like that, but I'm talking about, like, training facilities, clubs, and all this type of thing, right? Because it is, obviously, there's a disparity between the highest level and the lowest, well, not the lowest level, but you know what I mean, grassroots, I guess you would yeah. call it.
0: No, I I, I agree. It's, it's partly down to money, because there's no funding, like, English TV money. <laughs> It's okay Uh, There's no funding Like English TV money It's as simple as that But I also think That there's there's not Representatives from our game Out there Trying to sell it to anyone
1: There's not I I read about this before And I think it goes back Do you remember When Scottish football was on BBC For like a, a season or two Yeah Yeah So I'd read into this And this was a few years ago And supposedly Sky had offered us a deal But you've got the whole thing In the In the SPFL in which, well, in, the, in the, the SBL especially, the top league, um, the, they had the vote in the system. And to get anything through, it needs to be not unanimous, but it needs to be 11 to 1. Yeah. So it gives the power straight to Sarkin Rangers. And it was a fairly decent deal at the time for 2003, which were m- much more on par. You yeah, think of the 2003 I, oh, season, we beat Blackburn and Liverpool mm-hmm. in the UEFA Cup run. You know, so we're, and you could we watching that game at the time, you were thinking we we could we could beat them here, you mm-hmm.
0: know, yeah, every chance
1: now if we've played Liverpool, I wouldn't even be confident it as playing Blackburn currently like you know, a mm. championship team it's it's really quite bad, but yeah, to answer your question Ryan, I suppose it does come down to facilities a lot. um teams teams are obviously trying to save money on certain things. We should never be allowing stuff like plastic pictures, artificial pictures in our top leagues. And it just, um, I think it does, a lot of it comes down to money, but where do we get the money from? We, we rejected that Sky deal, yeah. hoping we get a better one. And I think five or six years ago, we got offered a deal by Sky that was worth a million or two million under what we were offered at that point in yes. time.
0: Yeah.
1: If we'd accepted that, we'd have been a lot further on. The so Celtic Rangers, I think, are the makers of their own downfall, as well. But it, Scottish football has suffered as a whole for it. Mm-hmm. You think back in history, Scotland—you know, not making a tournament in twenty years—it it was pretty terrible in itself. Shopping not what I mean, like but yeah. you think back to all the good Scottish footballers over time: your Dalgliesh, Strachan's, you know, uh, Dennis Law. I'm sorry, I've just got a bit blank here, but, but all these players yeah, that are just are fantastic. Names?
0: that are massive names in football. Half your English Premier League in the seventies and eighties, your biggest names were uh-huh. Scottish guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um you you look at um all your I always go back to the managers, Ferguson, um Walter Smith, you know, you go back to is it I can't remember it's Paisley or Shankly, one of them Scottish I think it's uh, Shankly. It's Jankly, yeah. Yeah. Bob um, Paisley
2: doesn't sound like a Scottish name though to be here. It does, it?
0: yeah. Uh, Jock Steen, you know, got all these.
2: Do you ever know watch the uh, Amazon
0: Prime? The Three Kings. Uh uh-huh. yeah, no, That was a very good watch. Really like, good. Cause it's the
1: only Celtic based like documentary thing out there. Even Rangers have got their own Amazon Prime show or Netflix show, or whatever yeah. it is. And it's just like, to be honest, I wouldn't want to be see what's going on behind the scenes at Celtic at the moment. Like um... Brendan coming in, sign me a player. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Mind you, Ra- Rangers uh, uh, won the episode on the Trophy Room must have turned into a YouTube short, Like, so it's all right. You can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on that subject, the greatest bit of any of that has got to be the OG series. Sunderland, Till I Die, the very last episode, ends with that, and Charlton scoring a goal in the 94th yeah, yeah, minute. Yeah, and
0: it just goes all to shit, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah,
1: And that guy, you know that Charlie Mathering guy that's... Involved in it, he, you know,
0: either like, bit of a dickhead. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's now. I don't know if he's the chairman at Tottenham, but he's now. He's just been part of the consortium that's bought us over. So, God knows what we can expect there. Oh, great!
0: Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want. Okay. Um, let's move it on a wee bit, Jimmy. Um, what kind of time we talking, Ryan? We're at. Uh,
2: just uh, coming up to fifty minutes, mate.
0: Okay, that's fine. Um, so I've been um. waffling
2: a wee bit, but <laughs> he can do his magic with it all.
0: Uh, who's your favourite player of all time
1: um, I've been thinking about this question and I don't know why I'm thinking about it so much it's just a simple answer it's Henrik yeah. yeah, we've sat here you know <laughs> I thought about it the other day and I think I'm trying to overthink that question but no it's Henrik Larsson
0: just class just mm-hmm. class there's no much other words for it on top of that who's your favourite current player
1: I think this is where I was getting tripped up there. I think I was thinking this about a bit more. I think I have to delve into the Man City side. Okay. And I'm gonna go. I think my favourite player currently is Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, beauty, man. Yeah. I think quality. he's just yeah, I've just always quite liked him. Since he's mm. been obviously he it never worked for him at Chelsea or whatnot, but yeah. you know, since he's been at City. Did he's you ever been watch him in, in Germany? I see. He was at
0: Leverkusen, uh, Werder Bremen, I think. Bremen, it was. Uh, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, oh, sorry, there we go. yeah. I, corrected. I <laughs> always <laughs> get the both W's and they're both green teams. I always get mixed up with them. Too. Yeah. So,
1: so, to answer that, no, I probably didn't because I've just tried to say from Leverkusen but...
0: for a season and a half, or it might have even just been a season. He ripped apart that German league, and he was doing that. At, I think nineteen or twenty. Um, I could see then what what a kind of player he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, episode six, JP. He, Padgett, oh, um, Padgett, what was he? he? was on Man United fan. Had him in his one eleven. Oh, fair enough. So it just kind of shows how good the player is. What is it like about him?
1: I think he's just—he's again—he's slightly further forward. He's a central midfielder essentially that can score goals. So yeah. I think for me that's the perfect package.
0: He plays like that. Te- a, he's like a deep line ten almost, isn't mm-hmm. he? And he also plays in this like weird inside right position. That, it's a new thing in football. This midfielder that. It's. I don't know if you know much about like foreign tactics. Not Jimmy, but it's, like, it's it's like a forward Mazzala role. It's they call it a half winger, uh-huh. uh, and um, I think I'm pretty sure that's Italian for half winger. But he's like the Mazzola would normally play further back, and the half winger would just drift out the right. But he's almost like an inside forward that just stays in that inside position. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a player like Haaland in front of him, it's just fucking lethal. That like yeah,
1: it's just. He- I love a player that sits just on the edge of the area and you're able, they, they've just got that magic for that interplay and things like that. That's just, you can notice it in certain teams when they're missing that player that just sits on the edge of the box and good teams, especially that play good passing football, that are able to just take it and lay it off little link up plays on top of being able to score fantastic yeah. goals, have the strength, have a bit of skill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a perfect package. Oh,
0: It's all you need, mate. And, it compliments that team so well as well. I, they haven't been the same without him this mm-hmm. season. Um, and you look at, I think it was last weekend he made his return and I think we uh, scored five minutes after coming on to the pitch. Mm, I my fantasy team, so yeah. I was quite I, same, I seen
1: he was back from injury, I was like, he's going in. He's going to yeah, go in because he
0: could to do. better. I doubted high. him as well. I thought he's not going to start the way Pet plays and he didn't start. I thought, oh, well, got the points for him. Yeah, was was 12, 12 points. I, I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. Um Okay. What would you consider the best kit ever made
1: Ooh. this is a tough question because i'm not really sure there's a couple of really good starter kits mm-hmm. so you've mentioned already the bumblebee so that's a notable mention yeah as horrendous as it is that ford people's kit i really quite like another <laughs> one you know it's, it's the year i was born 91 uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and I've got a real soft spot because I think it was probably the first football kit I ever owned. Um, Scotland 98. It was like the tartan, dark tartan. I don't know if it was the home kit or not 98. It would be 96. 96 yep. Sorry. 96 and the sort of tartan it was a bit purple and stuff like that. Yeah. I love that kit. So Euro I think that's the Euro yeah. 96 Scotland kit. Mm-hmm. Is what
0: quality, I'm going for. Quality fucking kit. Um, I've I've got a story about that. I'll tie it off the podcast. Um I can't give away nothing. <laughs> can't give away nothing. Um, no, a solid choice. People's kit. People's Ford kit was a fucking honking kit, mate. I don't know, I just like
1: it. It is, it's horrendous, but it sticks out of your mind, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I just quite liked it.
0: I'm, I'm a. I'm a big, um, I was, I liked the set years when we had the small badge and tenants just above it and it was just majority mm. of the kit was hoops. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would
1: have been uh, the... 125
0: year. I mean you'd see yeah, beat Barcelona it was yeah I remember one Yama wearing that uh-huh. kit and, and that's,
1: that's the first player that comes to mind with that kit it's, is to one Yama. it's weird
0: when you think of kits you think of players don't mm-hmm. you um, okay here's a bit of a controversial one Jimmy and you can we can edit this out if you don't want to but I thought I'd ask you have you ever made a high profile spake that you can admit to I, uh, or not even high profile, yeah. just one that you think, yeah, I think that was a mistake. I
1: think, yeah, I've, I've definitely had mistakes. But when we're thinking high profile, because I've never really been in charge of, of high profile games, yeah. don't get me wrong, it might be the odd occasion and recently moved up onto higher League lines. There might be the odd occasion I offer a wrong flag or a quick offside or something like that, but it's not really affecting the game. Yeah, That's most high profile. But, you know, at the end of the day, the decision is going to, not so much offside, but the referee will decide whether he's going to take my flag for a... or whatever I'm saying to him, that it comms for a, a foul or anything like can, that.
0: Can he... This is something I don't know about referees. If Can he overrule your flag?
1: Yeah, we're there to assist. He, he would be, over, be able to overrule our flag. He, uh, Generally, he or she, you know, if yeah. correct. <laughs> um, they would be able to overrule it, but they're not likely to. You've had... Um, you should be ideally banging line with the second last defender as an as his assistant, so you've got the best view. Yeah. It would be silly for the referee unless he spotted something a player that you've not seen or anything like that. But yeah, you can. The referee's got a final say on on everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On absolutely everything.
0: That's interesting that. It's interesting. Is Just coming
2: and track the cameras, mate. Just yeah. didn't want you freaking out no, when that's I get up. Fine.
0: <laughs> um uh, how what's it feeling like when you've you've like you've blown for something in 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 reality you maybe don't know had a chance to watch back footage or so another person's kind of fucked up there is is it a case of right okay i need to get on with it or is it a case of oh fucked up there do you let that bother no, you
1: you've got to not let it bother you i don't know if you you play golf at all but no. it's the most like golf it comes to you have a bad shot in golf You've got to get that out of your head straight away. I'm by no way means. We spoke about the football at the start. I'm in mean, no way it means a good sports player. I'm just very uncoordinated. I think, and uh, but yeah, golf. You've got to get rid of a bad shot instantly, otherwise yeah. it will linger. And referee is very much the same because it's quite mental as well as as you know physical. You've got to be mm. thinking all the time. You've got to be able to get rid of of you knowing that you've done it wrong. As long as yeah, I have I, the high profile mistake. I'm going to admit to. Bit of a funny story, this is not high profile, but I remember doing a Community Cup game many years ago. It had been when Robbie run the tournament when mm. it was its his first inception and it was a very well-run tournament. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not now, but you know, that's we know, we were getting finals at Borough Briggs and everything like that, and it was a yes, good, good experience and uh, I got on well with Robbie at the time, you know, I was sorting out some referees and that for him, pretending I could do it all, like I said earlier on, but in yeah. reality... Referees were probably not want to take me off on the offer to come and referee a community cup game on a Sunday because there was an issue at the time with it being regulated by the SFA and all of that. Um, but uh, it was Lossy Lads, she came, Chris Cooper. Yes. His yeah. team plays for Holtman now. It was his team, and they were playing the Elgin Marbles, which is the sort of older team from Holtman. A lot yeah. of older guys. And uh, Berto Miao, I don't know if you know Berto, um dad of um, right. Michael and yes, Dave. I... Very good striker, actually. Yeah. You know, very good football player was Barthol. But anyway, there was a, a goal kick being taken by the defender, and it just didn't cross my mind at all that the defender's taken it. The ball's been punted up. It's been headed straight back over the top to Barthol. And when I've looked across the line, I've gone, he's miles off there. Like, So he's then scored an absolute world of a goal. It's like on a half volley from what I remember, put it in top bins just to hear me blowing the whistle, hand up going, that's offside. And... I've looked down and I've seen the defender and I've just been like, shit, 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 shit. They were never going to win that game. But uh, I think it's it's really tough. that I never used to do this in my first, I sort of call it my first incarnation as a referee, but it didn't really work out. Um, never used to accept I would be wrong and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be able to accept it. I don't mind telling players. Players would be, um, they tend to be a lot, better with you when you go look it very possibly could have been a foul that but i didn't get a great view of it so i've just had to play on there was that one last night that happened right behind my back yeah and i was like i've i've got no idea whether that's a foul or not i think they just came together really 50
0: 50 it was yeah but um
1: yeah it's things like that you can easily miss but you can miss anything Mm -hmm. the other one was i had one last year and I, i actually felt really really bad about it um, it was a youth game. It was under-14s. It was quite late on. It was Elgin versus somebody. I can't remember who it was, but it was an Inverness-based team, Seems to remember. But this kid's come flying in with this challenge and he's really quite high. But from where I was, i was th- I, I seen it a bit square. I thought he's gone in high, but he's not actually caught him there. Yeah. So I've already got the yellow card out and going, look, that is unacceptable. That tackle is a yellow card and bound it up. Mm-hmm. I then went to deal with a player who's really quite hard, it would seem, and I'm thinking, what's what's the crack here? And then I looked down, and his knee was just split open from top to bottom, and it got quite caught up because the manager was going absolutely mental at me, and I understand that sort of passion. Yeah, but then I've also also got a job to do there as well, and going, yeah, look here, look, I know I've I probably messed that up. Is what I'm going to go and do right now is I'm going to go and speak to their manager and ask for him to be removed from the pitch. Yeah. I'm not going to send him off because I've already issued him the yellow card. That's that, that's the way I'm going to play it. Yep. Um, rightly or wrongly, you can... In a youth game of football, you want wanting to keep people... 11 versus 11 is my ideal goal. I don't yep. want to be sending players off. It might change under 16, under 18 level because... You know,
0: they can get that's it. where
1: they need to learn their discipline. I think they can be a bit unruly. It's calmed down a lot, but um, yeah, this guy and the manager was going mental. So I actually take, had to take the uh, assistant referee aside, uh, the assistant referee, the assistant manager of the team aside, and saying, look, I know I've, I've messed up here. This is how we've corrected it. He's now off the pitch. You seem quite calm. He's not. It's unfortunate the way that he's acted, and this is where I was yeah. saying about not doing yourself any favours. I could have left that. But at the same point, I wasn't having him going, you know, there's parents and everything. He's given me a right dressing down, a right Mm -hmm. dressing down in front of everybody that I'm like, look, I'm going to have to report him as well. If he's left me to deal with it, we could have come to a sensible But that was a mess. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the worst incident I've had, worst call I've made, because I knew instantly. But I think in the panic of it all, seeing a 14-year-old's knee cut open and a manager just shouting at you constantly and everything like that, you just panic a little bit and you're like, oh, right, okay, this is what we'll do. And it's maybe not correct. So that again links back into that point of you've got to keep calm and composed. You can have a good knowledge of the law, but yeah. you can get a bit muddled, overwhelmed. muddled up. And overwhelmed yeah, yeah, yeah. is a perfect word. Yeah, things can get on top a little bit in games. Mm-hmm. And you do, I don't know if you noticed me last night, I do a lot of, because that was my first middle in maybe a month, month and a half. Mm-hmm. It was, I was talking to myself a lot as well and just going right now this is a bad position jamie need to be there talk yourself through the game yeah and that helped me out a lot last night because i was even getting a little bit muddled up and thinking oh this is just get a bit on top there was the incident with your uh your striker going through and go he'd taken the shot and then the keeper had just sort of made contact with him yeah and I'm, i had somebody down watching me last night um and i'm thinking after that the whole the rest of the half it goes back to that that bad call thinking ah oh, that's is he is yeah. that a penalty? Is that a penalty? No, I don't think so. The chance is gone. The chance is gone is my, my opinion of it. He's had his goal scoring opportunity and he's messed it up.
0: Yeah.
1: And came off and he was like, oh, that was a bang on call. That was a bang on call you've made there. And I was like, oh, it's not too bad. And then just adjusted a few things positioning mm-hmm. wise. And I found the second half so much easier. So you're constantly adjusting as well. And yeah, mistakes do happen. Mistakes yeah.
0: do happen. That's it.
2: That's, That's us at the hour, uh, hour three minutes mark, mate, just okay. to be informed.
0: No bother at all. No bother at all. i trying. will try, and, I'll try and, um, and cut down my answers a wee bit. <laughs> it's all right. It's good, Jimmy. It's really good. Um, ambitions as a referee. What level do you want to get to? Uh,
1: so I'm currently cap five, um, but on the, as I said, on the Highland League assistant referees list, which you have to do, is the first point in which you essentially enter the pyramid. So you start at seven, hmm. which is your probation if you turn up to your training and you're, eating, you're engaging, you're getting involved in games, you'll be moved up to five, and is your sort of base level. Then you have to do your fitness test if you want to go to the Highland League, okay. which is, I think this is the part of it I really struggle with. Um, So I didn't really have much ambitions to get any higher than I currently was, yeah. but now I'm there, I'm thinking, oh, it's really, it's quite exciting being part of a Highland League game. It's a bit of a, it's more theatre than juniors. You know, juniors is just, don't mean to junior football up here it's a bit mad is a bit mental and <laughs> is the next stage up. I'm trying to be as nice as I can to to juniors. It's it's essentially the next stage up from from welfare football and amateur football. But you do get some fantastic teams and you know it's it's a good standard of football at the same time. You've got to be a good footballer to be playing junior football. Yeah. So I'm not taking anything away but you know Highland League, you go into these bigger grounds like uh is that Huntley today and Huntley they're fairly well attended. Um, teams like and I've seen are fairly well attended and uh, you know they're quite excited I've not had Bucky yet that'll be an exciting one when I finally get a, yeah. a Bucky appointment through but all these teams are fairly well uh, supported and there's more people there you're in a final you're in a little stadium as well which is quite good with your floodlights coming down and it's fun I, I love a Wednesday night I've always loved midweek football Yeah, I think just it's, it's that nostalgia of being able to stay up late you know like all well, it tend to be West Ham we played on a bloody Tuesday or Wednesday night <laughs> And I've got some cracking memories of West Ham games, like. But, um, yeah, so I would have said where I'm at, but I do want to push myself. I mean, I enjoy refereeing more than I probably do assistant, but I Mm -hmm. I equally like them. But I I tend to get more out of my refereeing. Uh, So I want to at least go to four, which will mean I get to referee junior football after just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but ideally I know people you we mentioned Kovish this there and I know Kovish had said to me he's like just, just see where you get to because yeah. he said I I was probably like you and had no ambition to get much higher than five or whatnot I just thought I'd try it out with something to do and then I just got hooked by it I love it and now he's into the SPFL yeah. so I don't have any ambitions of probably going as far as Kovish mm-hmm. Um
0: there's there's some good referees got... up here mm-hmm. um, I, I always look back to is it Harry Harry Bruce yeah.
1: I really like Harry. I was out with Harry on on Wednesday night at Keith, and uh, he's he is he him and him and mm-hmm. is who I would see as our best referees at Murray and Banff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think Harry's done quite a few high profile games recently. He had,
1: he? Um, I think, Scottish it, Youth Cup final. Scottish Youth Cup final. It wasn't last season. The season before that, yeah. I think. But yeah, that was you know that's a fantastic game to have. You know, because we, we have our 18s games on a Sunday up here. But again, they're Highland League 18 teams. so no disrespect, but they're not up to the same same level that I think no. it was Rangers versus Hearts.
0: It was, yeah. And it's quite yeah. a
1: cool story as well with Rangers, you know, um, having Cameron Campbell as their, their manager. Yeah. You know, I remember being sat in chemistry with Cameron and that. <laughs> and just, I'm sure he was an Aberdeen fan, so I was just like, fair <laughs> enough, you've gone for a good job, but like,
0: phew,
1: that's tough for an Aberdeen T- fan. Like, but, there, no, he's really done, he's really cracked on in football as well. He's... He's, he always he always really had a good brain for football, I always thought, Cameron. It's
0: good to see the local guys doing that, uh-huh. well, isn't it? It oh, really is, always. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap up our questions, Jamie, because I want to get on some boys' league chat and then I want to get on to your 11 and a wee bit about your memorabilia, buddy. Um, okay, I'll maybe risk that one, but I'm going to ask you, what's your favourite goal of all time? Um...
1: I don't know which one of the two free kicks. I picked. obviously the second one. Obviously the second one. I went to Scotland versus England at Hampden Park. Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths' second free
0: kick. Uh, we've, we've talked about this game many times on this podcast. I
2: I remember being in the beach bar that day, and there was a guy from a Stodlock. I don't know why he was throwing losses. It seems a bit of a random one than it. But he was a big Celtic fan, and this was before Lee Griffiths. You know. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the first one went in right, so we're like buzzing obviously because, like, that game was kind of hit and miss up into like 75 minutes until uh, it was Oxley Chamberlain scored for them first or something like that. But yeah, he was right, he could celebrate right in front of me. I've never <laughs> seen my dad more angry than that at a football game. Aye. You know, <laughs> uh, so the first one went in, the place erupts, and like tables and pints are going everywhere and all sorts. And uh, I was speaking to the guy again, right? And they got the free kick again. I was like, "Imagine if it goes in again." He's like, "This place is going to go uh, like in, up in fire." <laughs> <But> poor choice <laughs> of words, considering what happened to that place a few months later. But um uh, well, <laughs> as, as he was saying that, the free kick gets taken and it goes in again, and like the celebrations. I mean, it meant fuck all in the end, didn't it? Because like the equalised like the last kick of the game. Who was
1: it? Um, Stuart Armstrong just punt it up. I'm sure it was Armstrong. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Hardy
2: mm-hmm. Kane with it got
1: equaliser. Bloody ball up, but yeah, I think I said the exact same as you. It was just a weird feeling because you just lined it up, and as I don't know if you get these sort of feelings of football, but you lined it up, and I was like, I fancy this. I remember looking at my dad. I was like, I fancy him to score this. He scored it, and I remember saying a very, very similar thing that you did, Ryan, when he lined up that second one. I think it was like, Dad, like if if he scores this, the whole. Mm-hmm place is gonna just erupt here you've yeah. never seen anything like this at a football game I can guarantee you. and it did and the place was just going absolutely crazy like and I think I was very lucky at the time over a period of two three years to see games that ended like absolutely spectacularly and the atmosphere in the ground was just fantastic yeah so the other one of be we'll speak about my memorabilia coming up the playoff final and just before that just, before that or just after that Mm, unsure on timings, but Sotik played Lazio. It's the only time I've been away with Sotic.
0: Is that um, the headstand from um, Incham? Incham, yeah.
1: That was absolutely crazy, and I think it made it better because you're allowed to just drink in stadiums. Everybody's absolutely
0: smashed. In Bell in just... my episode four has done home and away Europe for years and years, and he says it's his best ever away trip. Was that yeah, last
1: It was quality, like it was, it was, it was yeah. just quality. Um does something else. They're like he's just. <sighs> All over the place, he just gets a boot. Like, I've seen him playing in the odd Celtic legends versus Rangers uh, legends
0: last week I
1: didn't see the photos like Michael
0: Moles and stuff yeah, like that. But <laughs> I remember
1: him saying it was hard hard trying to beat uh, Marvin Andrews and Colin Hendry and stuff uh, like that. Like, how have you done that, builder?
0: Uh, He's some lad, some lad. Okay, Jamie, um, let's round up your questions. What's your proudest mo- moment in football so far? Is that can be a personal moment, that can be your team's moments. Um, that can be some, maybe, I don't know, a memory you've got, something that I don't know, I, I, this strong. is a
1: tough question because I, I would want to slip in something I've done personally in football. Um, we're going to get on to boys league, but I think the proudest I've ever felt in any sort of football thing, just personally for me, is um, it wouldn't have been, they're always very complimentary, the parents, me and Craig found when we were doing our boys league teams, mm-hmm. but especially the season before last, we have seen a real confidence to go back to the confidence. thing, like a real confidence change in a, a few boys. And we got some really, really lovely messages after the season ended saying like, you've improved my son's confidence yeah. so much. I can't thank you enough. Uh, he wants to come back next year now after not to And they, we, they, which we just went on and on and on. And I was just, to the point I was almost in tears at yeah. how overwhelming it was. And that, I've, I think, is just just knowing that you'd be able to facilitate a game of football for somebody. Because mm-hmm. I know it's all I ever wanted when I was younger was somebody to give me a chance at a game of football. And you could do that at Boys League. And yeah. I'd done that at Boys League. It doesn't matter if you were... You see, I played Boys League and, yeah, you'd go along with your mates that were all playing in the school team and whatnot, and you'd be on the sidelines. But, again, I've got some cracking memories of, of Boys League. Yes, one. one uh we only won the league in the first year i played in that media but i scored a cracking volley and everybody was like where the hell's that come from <laughs> you know uh I scored a few goals that season so it was i'm somewhere. sure i won
0: a summer cup i can't remember but i'm sure i won like a summer cup i was the same i wasn't a guy who was starting i was a guy on the bench it would come mm-hmm. on and things like that and um just memories just memories of being down there and then getting a refresh our memories as an adult it, the feeling doesn't really change too much. It doesn't. It's unique. Yeah. Boys' league's very special. Yeah, you're you're probably. I'm kind of glad to get onto this, Jamie. Boys' league. I'm the same as you. I got a lot of really nice, lovely messages from my parents last year. I get the kids coming up to me at the football now that I've coached before, and like they always come and say hello. They will always make a point to come and say, mm-hmm. "Yeah, hello." And I've now found myself like. I will probably be going to players' games next year that are not on my team, but they've been on my team previously. I want to see how they're getting on. You know, it's 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 that kind of special relationship. How did you get involved initially with the boys? Was it just a call out or...?
1: Yeah, I think I'd seen a post on Facebook and I'd, I'd wanted to do a bit more coaching. I've always quite enjoyed coaching, as I said, mm-hmm. on the school team when I was younger. And yeah, so that'd have been what? That was the season before COVID. So it'd have been 20... it have been 2019... Uh, so I got in touch with just the Facebook page, I think, and was just like, look, I'm thinking about coaching. Um, and then I'd also seen Barry Jarvis was doing a bit of coaching as well. So I was speaking to him about it. Yeah. I know Barry. I don't know him fantastically well, but mm-hmm. I know Barry from football throughout the days. And again, I'm fine with Barry, you know. We have a little chat with you now and then. Um, but yeah, it, it was decided that I'd join Barry and be his co-coach. And we had a really good season. We had a good squad that we should have got a bit more out of, but we just became really unlucky. Royals had a, a really good season that year. It was, you know, Jack and uh Steve is it? Um, from from Royals and he it would have been seniors by last year. And uh I'm sure Jack Keith we're talking about. Yeah, here. so oh, I always yeah, so, forget uh, yeah, about the yeah, coach's yeah. name, I'm sure it's Steve McKenzie. I'm not totally certain, um, but it's it's his Loon that was the striker. It's I honestly, one of the best strikers I've seen down at Boys League. Can't, can't. I know, I'm pretty certain cool. it's called Aiden. But, um, oh, so shows we know Boys League well, doesn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, they were just, they took home the treble that year, I'm pretty certain. And we couldn't get past them. We got drawn against them in both semis. So we never even made mm-hmm. it to the final of the Cups. But I had a really good, good team that year. And I thought, yeah, we'll definitely do this again. COVID happened. We got back into it. And then I sort of turned up at AGM and it was just... It was Jack Keith actually. They were sort of nominating roles for uh, for committee and that, and it was just like this is how it was like. Oh, what, we need a, an intermediate rep, but also somebody that's going to be the kit man. And Jack was just like, "I, oh, Jamie can do that." And I'm like, oh, I've "Got nothing else on," so <laughs> so we done that. And yeah, then it's sort of you're heavily involved. You're getting invited to the committee meetings and things like that, which is really good in itself. Um, but now that we're sort of, I'm guessing we're just on to boys' league now, so we can just yeah. go on a I think um, we're moving in the right direction with Boys League. Um, I think Alan's doing a really good job in the the transition we've maybe had previously. Tiger done a fantastic job as president. Um, And it's unbelievable how much work these guys put into this. Considering Alan's doing his forest mechanics, Tiger Mm -hmm. does his Elgin City and that. How they've even got time to be president of the Boys League is is crazy. You know, I would love to do nothing more than help boys league out as much as I could. But I've, I've unfortunately not going to have the time this season. So I'm gutted about this. Yeah. And I think there's been a small change over the last couple of seasons, which I would really like to, to help out in getting ironed out. Um, A few, I suppose, discipline issues. Last season was fine, but the season before that was, it was pretty wild. There was, You know, there was players, well, there was people just coming onto the pitch and whatnot and, you know, for kids and that. And it's like, I remember a game where there was a fight erupted, like, right next to me. And I was just like, there's nothing I can do about this. I've got no jurisdiction apart from phoning the chairman and hoping that police are going to come down. And then to be fair, after that, there was a sort of police patrol on a Friday night. Um, But yeah, Boys League always needs fresh members, young members. Mm To, to throw in their thoughts about what needs to happen going forward. And it's been such a successfully run thing since the 60s. Yeah, you know, was, you speak to anybody around here of a, of a half decent age, you know, they're going to have memories of boys' League. Yeah. And as I say, it's the only real way of playing football without being a good enough level to play for one of the Highland League clubs at youth That's level so. or Elgin at youth level. That's right. A- so it's vitally important. I have a lot of ideas about how youth football should be run, but it's about facilitating it. Yeah, I would love there to be a league all year round.
0: Same. Because
1: yep. boys' league, it could be very hectic. mm mm-hmm. playing the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can sometimes have two games. And that's where I, I really struggled last year. It's unfortunately why I can't take up this year, because that in amongst, if I'm going to go for the refereeing, which I am doing uh it's too much it's too much you you, you've maybe got a game monday friday with your team or you've got a game wednesday with your team and then you definitely got welfare on a friday night and yeah and then a saturday sunday you might have a game as well Mm -hmm. monday you're back to blaze league and you're never home no you're never home and then taking on i tried to help out with my role as the kit manager or kit man whatever you want to call me but dear god (laughs) alan Alan must have been doing his nut with me as the bloody kit manager because it was just it would have been very frustrating for him because yeah. I would just found it very hard. It became very overwhelming. So as much as I really want to help out with putting back into a club that done so much for me, mm-hmm. essentially gave me good memories and that, and you just want to be able to pass that on. And everything I was saying about Harry and stuff earlier on, and seeing these players um, grow older and see so see see them playing football, it makes you think about these sort of times. It's it's a fantastic club, but it does need. It needs help. There's been sadly a few things that have happened over the last couple of years. Um Mike Christie passing away. That's the biggest is one. such a big loss to Boys yeah. League. And there was a massive hole last year that we managed to we managed to fill mm-hmm. but it's not the same without Mike. No, it's, it's not. just it just wasn't the same feeling. And it was lovely to have that sort of Minutes recognition for Mike beforehand, and then the, the the bench as well. Yeah, um, sat down at Morrison now as well because it's just whenever I think of Mike, where his bench is, mm-hmm. that's that's where I would you know, picture Mike just on top of those steps and going, "I watch your score tonight, then boys, you know yeah.
0: who's your player for the uh, night? Yeah, who's yeah. Your, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, you know. If, and then." Towards the end, it was getting used to seeing that scooter kicking about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've seen the scooter, you knew he was somewhere like... Mm-hmm. And he'd still
1: be putting bits of goals and corner flags yeah. on that way <laughs> as well. He's just... People like that are irreplaceable. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, like I say, Alan and Tiger, and here's somebody that completely flies under the radar whenever we talk about this, because he's never been president. He is now honorary president. But um, the things that, that uh, Neil Fotheringham's done... Oh, unbelievable. The secretary's such yeah. an important role because... You know, there's so much to do, but Neil's been dedicated to that club since I think it's 2001. I think he said to me, so that's over 20 years. Yep. Um, the the raw these people do putting into the community for nothing yep. is is um, so get, selfless.
0: Give a shout out to Maggie as well.
1: Maggie Maybe last that, year yeah. was fantastic because I think to start with, Neil had had the intention of retire, uh, retiring retiring as raw, and it. it he tried to. We said, "Do you want to do it, Jamie?" And I just I thought of the struggles I was having as a sort of intermediate rep plus kit manager, and thought I don't mind turning up to the meetings and having input on the big calls because I quite like that. Not as a sort of I can be in charge sort of way, but it's a, it's a chance to make a real difference in the club that it way. Is, yeah. And there was a good good committee laid down at the start of last year when Maggie came on board, and and I think probably took up the role. Um, on the basis that she said, right, I'll do the, do this as long as somebody helps me out. And unfortunately, she got caught in the trap as well. But by the end, she's doing a lot of the work. Yeah. And Neil's still helping out as well. So really, to help the club out, they need somebody to step into that role. So, you know, while I'm here, I'm going to make a shameless plea because I know I cannot help this year. I'll be down to referee as much as I can and support the club just come down on nights that I'm, I can to, to support but please if you're at all interested just please get in touch Fantastic with the club. Elgin boys just go on the Elgin boys club page and send them a message they'll pick it up mm-hmm. interested in here I'd even make a call now we tried to pilot this last year it didn't really work but you know any parents or volunteers that would even do a bit of refereeing and maybe yeah intermediates or maybe even juniors I know I know, Alan, you don't like referees at junior level, but, you know, if there was somebody available to do that, I think it would cut out a lot of... You're a junior yep. manager, and I know what my brother's told me, and I yep. know what I've seen.
0: I would like a referee. I know it's not the World Cup, but I would still like a referee. I even made a suggestion of a um, manager taking a half each. It's what I had to operate in the, in the
1: intermediates because through no fault of our own, I just... I tried to be the referee rep last year and coordinate the appointments and see when I was... The, probably the season before that, the was doing it and we had referees available. We had yeah. referees tripping over each other to come and do games at boys league really, because it's a nice run out mm-hmm. and it's always in the summer. So it's just like, Oh yeah, God, I'll go for a little runabout on the pitch afterwards. Nice night out. Um, and then yeah, welfare just got massive Mad. losses. Mm-hmm, we were, so. you know, there was some weeks you, you were not, when it comes to welfare, it's a sort of middle ground of referees. If you like, is where I'm at. Is from here up to sort of cat four. Maybe some cat threes will help out, but your top referees, your Harries and your Corvus. I know Corvus did do one or two games last year. He's he's not going to be available for welfare. Mm-hmm. So that's two referees out. And then you've got to select for you. You're not going to use probably your really new new referees. So yeah, you come from your category five referees, and you've only got a certain bank of those. Yeah, and a lot of those are the people that come and help you out of Ways League. Aye. so when when you're losing the people like I think the season before again let me go back to that season, me and Stuart Garden were doing a lot of games, mm. and we got we got rightly rewarded for it at the end of the season. we got both the finals, which was you know coming down to boys league we're not expecting to be paid i'm certainly not I know we did talk about it last year, but I'm certainly not being really expected to be paid and To get the final at Borough Briggs, one of the two of them, that was that was nice in itself. Yeah, it is. and I ended up with the senior final, and Stuart done the intermediates because we we were just he was in the seniors and I was in the intermediates, so we just done the opposites. Um, it was good to have little linesmen, so even that as well, the chance for your son or daughter to be able to now son or daughter as well. We've started Mm -hmm. I think that was a very successful trial for girls, especially at my age level. Okay, Um, Maggie's daughter. was fantastic for us. Yeah, she was. She was unbelievable. She was our top striker by an absolute country mile. And sorry, call your sister was better
0: than you. <laughs> 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 okay, no, that sums it up perfectly. But you're also just a quick shout. Out, you're also always looking for referees through Banff and Murray District. Yes. Yeah, so right? if
1: anybody. Is interested in refereeing. I think just going back on what I said, if you've got, if you're looking for a hobby and you like football, come and give it a try. You'll be surprised when you take it, of how much, it, you know, it is, it's enjoyable. It's on the whole, it's enjoyable. It, it can be testing at times, but on the whole, you, you people say, oh, I don't know how you do it, all the abuse. You don't listen to it half the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do, and I get a little bit angry, but that's just me personally. But yeah. We're always looking for referees. We've just recruited a few, but with that short, and it's it's not even. I'm not even going to say it's a national shortage. It's it seems to be UEFA are putting out of things, so it seems to be we're short of referees in Europe, definitely, if not even worldwide, because we get such a bad press. And but it's 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 not like that at all. Honestly, up here as well, you get it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. It's not so bad. People are generally nice. As long as you're nice and it's a good runabout, it's a good laugh. And here is the one thing I've not mentioned. You get a little bit of spare cash out of it.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's yeah. that's not the be on end all. I'm loving the experience, but I also do like the little side earnings you get. Quite right. But yeah, it's it's been fantastic for me. It's been it's it genuinely has has changed my life in the last two years and helped me out. It's keeping me uh, from going to pubs and whatnot at weekends and mm-hmm. things like that. And my life has transformed through refereed. So I would recommend it to anybody.
0: Fantastic, Jamie. So if anyone is, give uh, Murray, am I right, Murray and District referees on Facebook a shout? Facebook, Murray and Banff. Yeah. yeah. So
1: um, alternatively, hit me up on Facebook or anybody that knows a referee, just hit them up and they'll be able to sort you out.
0: Okay. I believe we've got a course, maybe April time. <laughs> um, right, Jamie, I'm going to run through your 111. And then I'm just going to pick out a few names from it mate um, You gave me a four four two. You, I liked it You gave me traditional numbers Which I can go by um, We've got Gigi Buffon uh, Left but I'll take it KT's your right back And Carlos is your left back
1: I was going to have it the other way round But we should be having it that way round yeah. KT will play it right back I just had to get them both on
0: Okay. Virgil van Dijk Patrick Bauer Scott Parker in the middle with Scott Brown. David Beckham on the right. Aidan McGeady on the left. Larson and Henri up front. All right, the first name I'm going to pick out there is Patrick Bauer.
1: Um, Patrick Bauer, I think I was looking. He was the, the last player to go on that team sheet. And my whole team is based on, not necessarily the, the best. It's just players that conjure up good memories for me at football. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I want. Patrick Bauer was the player that's. St- scrappily stabbed it in with the studs on his boot in Chawton's playoff final from a few years back yeah so
0: yeah he i suppose it's kind of best time to kind of speak Mm -hmm. about
1: this so yeah we can have a look at this Um,
0: so
2: um this was actually a part of um a a birthday present from my 30th from let me uh, just make sure i've seen that in frame i'll go check the camera two seconds my pal um
1: we carry on talking a bit about it while we're yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so yes yeah, so for my pals got this just through the post I did have my ticket but I've recently moved so um I've, I think I chucked a lot of stuff out yeah why I chucked that out I don't know but um yeah so I thought I'd bring this along just uh yeah so Patrick Bauer scores in the 90th I think he scores after 93 minutes and 54 seconds because there's a story with Lebo, yeah asked the assistant like well how long's the going he basically like no that's it you've scored for six seconds left we went 1-0 down. The ball gets played back to our goalkeeper who does, I've done it before, but you know, it's me, does that whole thing of lifts his leg up to sort of stop the ball and it just it just goes under him. And it's uh, its horrendous. It happened after about 10 minutes in and I was like, oh no, this is not going to be our day. We quickly, oh, in about 10, 15 minutes, we equalized. Joe Rebo is absolutely pivotal in this game, by the way. Okay. So as much as he moved on to clubs, I wouldn't, necessarily support to be diplomatic. I've still got a lot of time for Joe Rebo. Um but yeah, and then we score, I think it's Ben and recently been at, at Ross County that scores mm-hmm. the equalizer. Oh, hi, hello. Um and then yeah, Patrick Bauer pops up last death of the game. You're thinking this is going extra time. We're thinking we're having a repeat of the the uh the ninety eight final and we're gonna go extra time and penalties and pff, I couldn't take it. But then aye, that was crazy. Again, like the like the Scotland game I was on about and the this topic, that's your game. This yeah. is the other game that goes up there. There's there the the Holy Trinity yeah. of with footballs.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: That day out was fantastic. I'd waited my whole life to go to Wembley with my dad to watch Chauton. And yeah. it's unfortunate I'm not gonna ever get that chance again. Yeah. after my dad unfortunately passed away so it's a memory i hold very very dearly to myself yeah. and it's it's just i'm so happy i got the chance mm-hmm. and it was not the one thing i remember us going through in the semi-finals and my dad was a bit like how oh, should we go should we don't go and then we, we won a penalty shootout and i was like are we going and he was like yeah fuck it, let's do it mm-hmm. we'll go and thank god we did it was a it was a cracking day um my cousin was there my uncle francis was there so he comes in he goes and watches chawton as well so, yeah, there's there's not only just me and my brother that are Chortland City fans. There is at least four of us. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, five if you include yourself. Yeah, like. yeah, absolutely. Um, it,
0: I kind of, I, I, I shamedly changed to Aston Villa in 2006 with Martin O'Neill. But,
1: yeah, the two teams that don't, Really go together. I was very surprised. I know half and half scarf things aren't a thing, but just because I had to have it, you know, I was very surprised to find a, a chorton and sort of half and half scarf, oh, wow. which you usually find them, they would be probably red and blue not red and green. Yeah, yeah. Very, very... Sympathetic towards Rangers, I suppose, a lot of Chawton fans rather than Celtic. Mm. like are not very well liked in England for the obvious reasons.
0: so no, no. For the I, obvious
1: reasons. I, yeah. And uh but I'm not gonna touch on that.
0: But. No. And I I kind quite like what you said about your dad there. I recently went to the Celtic Hearts game. We've got Pete 2 0 like, but with my dad, my dad's just reached seventy, he's getting a bit older in his life and it's like you can't replace them kind of memories, just things like that, and and, and it's cracking, you know. I, I I quite like that. Um Next person, we kind of talk about Scott Worker. David Beckham, mate. He's your hero grown up like? I think
1: just when I think about nineties football, I think, I think we've got two players on there. We've got Beckham and Henri, and they're mm-hmm. on there because I used to love. uh Man United and Arsenal, who were the two formidable teams at the time coming into the valley, you knew you were probably getting beat three four 0 But it would just be fun to sit and watch these players. Is, yeah. But David Beckham, I think it's just it's just David Beckham. I think that mm-hmm. that Englishness in me as well. Yeah. You know, even though I'm going on about a Scotland England game, I will support both teams until they play each other. Again, it's gonna kind of fuel the fire with this whole two clubs nonsense and everything like that. But that's just the way it is, and people need to learn to accept it.
0: It turned into Jamie Four clubs.
1: <laughs> but um
0: yeah, it was a
1: privilege to come and mm-hmm. see Beckham playing and just it's just the amount of free kicks, you know, he's just his trademark sort of this sort of this pose as he's up approaching mm-hmm. the ball is tw- and just yeah, I watched the David Beckham documentary and it just made me feel all. I've nostalgic. been thinking really a lot about the 90s recently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just, yeah, he's the perfect for me, the perfect 90s footballer it, out of, I could have maybe had anybody out of the class of 92. And you think about, yeah, Euro players that would probably come close would be schools and gigs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But no, Beckham's a, a cut above, really. Yes, and it's just as I say. There's a few players there that just they are favourite players of all time, really. And Beckham would be would be up there.
0: My um, the last one I'm going to touch on, just out your eleven, is Kieran Tierney.
1: I think, but yeah, again, it's just it's all down to to memories, and I think it just he's. The last player I can remember being at Celtic that's just so devout to Celtic. And he's obviously left. And I was never one that's going to grudge all these idiots that were just giving him abuse and that after he left. Look, he loves Celtic. Of course he does. Yeah. If Celtic was playing 150, 200 grand a week, yeah, fair enough. If Celtic was able to win Champions Leagues, Premier Leagues and all of that, fair enough. Yeah. But we're not. Yeah. Let's be realistic about things. He was always going to move on. Mm-hmm. But he's always a player I fell I always say there's a few players that, you know, they'll go away, but they'll always, I think Kieran's one that will come back. But yeah, just watching him and it's a, a nice point in time, I think. We had a sort of bit of renaissance. It's when sort of Dial is going out and Brendan's coming coming in for the first time and that. And I think we had a really good good little team then with the, um, team in, the, the Invincibles yeah, team, yeah. which just quality. And I remember KT being so crucial to that. Mm-hmm. And I just love him as a well I mean we've got him at right back here but I love him as a left back we've sorted him in at right back because it's where he plays for Scotland but I just wanted him and Roberto Carlos on the team but uh, yeah I think just I loved his passion for Celtic Mm -hmm. it's it's just you feel like he's one of you oh I get that and even still like it's it's nice to hear the stories of like uh, Jürgen Klopp saying about Andy Robertson he's like there's two players I can never get away from a Celtic game Andy Robertson and Virgil van Dijk like I love hearing them sort of stories yeah yeah. because it's just it's where you can relate to them they're just like you they love soccer as much as you mm-hmm. or whatever and it's just being part of that club
0: Have you seen the video recently of John McGinn as he's walking into the Aston Villa changing room in the ra- uh, changing gra- the training ground they're asking all the players as they come in what's the biggest club in the world what's the biggest club in the world and they're all going Barcelona Real Madrid Barcelona John McGinn Wilson, Glasgow Celtic just walks, keep, keep walking on <laughs> yeah. like no fucks given I, I love it um, okay Jamie That has been An absolute adventure Mate thank you so much For your time No pleasure
1: it's, it's been a real pleasure No uh, pleasure No worries It's been a real pleasure As we'll I say right.
0: I, got, I got a chance To see an action Last night And I'm really glad I did Because it's given me A different outlook On what referees Go through in a game A little bit um, Speaking to you tonight I've, I've thought You know You've opened my eyes Up a little bit To the other side almost. I see it from a coach's point of view. You've seen it from a coach's point of view. The referee's never the good guy. Hopefully this interview tonight has made you out to make a bit of a better guy. Yeah, Yeah. we're all
1: human. We are all nice at the end of the day. majority of us, I'm sure there will be some, I don't know any, but everybody I know is lovely. And um, yeah, we're there doing a job. We're not going to be well liked because we're the people that deny people things and send people off. We're never going to be well liked, but... Yeah, look, just a bit of humility and respect goes a long way. I, yeah, we're, we're not there to be abused. We're not we're not there to be shouted at and things like that. We're just doing, being part of football because we love being part of football.
0: That's it, mate.
1: And without us, there's no game. So somebody's somebody's got to do it, I suppose. That's and it. I love it. I love it. There we go. I love being a referee.
0: So before I get on your last question, I just want to thank everyone for listening watching um rating us i think we're up to about 100 subscribers through all our platforms all now blackies episode on monday absolutely took off we've had 300 odd people listen to that in the last week um which is fantastic if you keep it going give us that little five star it's on apple it's on um spotify you can give us a wee thumbs up on um, YouTube you can subscribe to us on YouTube uh, we'll continue episodes coming every two weeks for the next 26 weeks until our next Christmas break Um next up we have Craig Christie coming in from the Northern Scotland oh, journalist decent, yeah he's um, a guy who knows a lot about local football um, so Jamie I don't know if you've watched any of my episodes before I always finish on the same question at the end if there's a penalty to save your life who takes the penalty
1: um, I'm so glad you said this earlier on um, this player I'm choosing Paolo de Canio
0: brilliant answer
1: he does it against he, he Panikas David Seaman mm-hmm. before before all this Pirlo nonsense of a few years back nah
0: he was casual with
1: it he was casual with <laughs> it and he's it was quality that day he does it against Arsenal
2: i like yeah, Palladay I was taking my penalty
0: Great answer Thank you very much mate Cheers uh, it's been, been a pleasure Yeah it has mate Thank Just before
2: you. we go mate um, I'm just wanting to interject here I know I've not said a lot through the episode with my whole razzmatazz of yeah. monitoring audio but Jamie you were on the northeast corner two years ago I actually completely forgot about this before you were coming in tonight and I'm just thinking if there's anyone that is like followed uh, you over from there to here first of all they're going to be like this room's a lot different and you've had a major career change <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The music is still going I played
1: <laughs> I think the last time I, when I'd done the Northeast Corner, I'd not done a gig in ages, mm-hmm. but I did do a gig last and year. I did
2: see that I down at uh, Guidi's. I Guidi's.
1: So keep an eye out. That's still going this year. I'll, yep. I'll do a couple of gigs as well. So yeah, man of many talents. Oh, some people say
2: jack of all trades. Do you want the random <laughs> fact now that we're going to yes. do it, one a okay. So right?
0: I do want this random okay. fact.
2: Motherwell have won a Copa del Rey. Good night. <gasps> oh, what? I'm not even joking. That is a legit thing. <laughs> I'll, we can go into depth after we've uh, switched the record button off. Okay. But let's just leave everyone leave to go it on research good, it. Yeah. yeah, leave it on good night. <laughs>